So, if you have your Bibles or your electronic devices, I'm going to ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. In case you have an old school Bible or, or if you have an electronic, you can just click to. So you can either click to or turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're in a series called Faith to Move the Rockies. And today I want to talk to you about this topic of double vision. In other words, the danger of double vision and the blessing of a, of a singular vision, a, a blessing to where you can, you can clearly uh, walk by faith and you can clearly stand on the faith, uh, uh, by faith on the principles of God because it takes faith. It takes faith to have a singular vision. It takes faith to just stand on the promises of God to where you come to the place to where you believe that, guess what? God is a source of everything. God is a source of all. And that all blessing, all blessing comes from Him. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from the world. But all blessing comes from God. And when you, listen, I'm telling you, when you understand that God is a source of all and God is a source of blessing, then all of a sudden you look at life differently and you realize in life that, you know what, I'm not an owner, I'm a manager. In other words, I, God owns it all. Just God owns it all. And he's asked me just to steward what he has given me. He's asked me just to manage what he has given me. Years back I was invited to preach at a church in Florida. And, uh, and so they called and said, you know, we'd like for you to come preach and, and here in Florida. And then the church is near Cocoa Beach. And uh, once I heard beach, I'm like, uh, let me pray about it. Yes. And so, so, so I said, sure. And then in the midst of the conversation, they said, oh, and by the way, in case you would like to bring your family, uh, we, have a, we have a couple in our church that they have a ministry to pastors and missionaries. They have a condo on the beach of Cocoa Beach, uh, on, on the beach at Cocoa Beach. And they said, and you can stay in their condo for like free for a week or 10 days or two weeks, whatever you could work out. And it won't cost you anything. The only thing that they ask is they, they got a few instructions that they're going to put on the refrigerator. They want you to follow those instructions. And then, since this is like their ministry to pastors and missionaries, they're just going to ask that, that you guys could go to dinner with them one night. They would love to, they'd love just to hear your story. And so, again, I'm like, well, let me pray about it. Yes. And so, so I said, we're in. And so we went to, to there and I preached and we stayed in this condo. And listen, I'm telling you, we would have been foolish to stay in, in a condo that we did not own and not follow the instructions because we understood. We got it. You know what? We're not the owners of this. We're just, we're just managers for, for, for like 10 days. We're just stewards for like 10 days. And so we would have been foolish to go there and say, you know what? It's like our place. And we'll do whatever we want in here. And we would have been, listen, spending time, spending an evening with the owners of that condo and following their instructions was no big deal to us because we just understood it's not ours. We're just, we're just, we're just, we're just managers. We're just managing what they have allowed us and, and, to stay in it. And guess what? God says the same to us. God says the same to us that, listen, you're, I'm the source of every blessing in your life. Fact is, the scripture says, I gave you the ability to even make wealth, to have wealth. And I'm the source of all. And that you're just stewards and you're just managers. And that you're blessed to be a blessing. Because you just understand, see, when Abraham was like 75 years old, God came to him and said, Abraham, um, I have another task for you. Leave the land that you're in and just follow me and just trust me. And go to the land that I will show you. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. 
Here's what the scripture says. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Listen, clear vision. Clear vision is this. When you understand, I am blessed to be a blessing. God is a source of everything. Not me, not the world. God is a source of everything. In verse 3, and he goes on, he says, And I'll bless those who bless you. In him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. In other words, Abraham just heard from God and he just trusted God because Abraham understood God's the source of all. God is the source of all. And, and clear vision is when we just, we just trust God, that he's the source of everything. And we understand that we're just, we're just managers and, and, and not owners. And, and it's all his. Listen, a couple of months ago, uh, Karen and I took our two grandsons out for, for burgers and fries. And so we're sitting in this, this, this restaurant, and I'm sitting across from Gavin, the three-year-old. And so, you know what? Something had happened. And I'd eaten all of my fries, and, and he is awful slow eating his fries. And so I just reach. Uh, you've, we've probably all done this. I reach across the table. I grab a fry of his, and he loses his mind. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? Seriously? You don't even have a job. I bought you those fries. And you know what? I got capabilities. When you run out of those fries, I can buy you more fries. I can buy you more fries right now than you could even eat in one setting. Seriously? And my wife is looking at me, and Karen's like, really? Really? You're having this discussion with a three-year-old? I go, he has to learn. And he's going, mine, mine, mine. I mean, isn't that what we teach our, our kids? Share. Share. You got to learn to share. You know? And so, Gavin, he ate the rest of the meal, right hand on the hamburger, left hand on the fries. He's like this. <laughs> to where I told him, finally, I just got so f mad or frustrated. I looked at him and said, you know what, Gavin? I was going to buy you ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Now, you share, you share your fries with me, I'll give you ice cream. I'll give you ice cream. I'm just trying, you know, just trying to, just trying to be a blessing. And... <laughs> But there's some people, listen, there's some people that go through their entire life, even though they couldn't provide for themselves, even though God's the source of everything, they are hanging on to that hamburger and they are hanging on to those fries and they are going, mine, mine, mine. And you know what that does? That works selfishness and greed into your life. The only thing that moves out selfishness and greed out of your life and my life is this issue of giving. This issue of understanding that I have been blessed to be a blessing. You see, Abraham got that. Abraham understood that. Three principles about this issue of clear vision and what clear visions looks like. Because I'm telling you something, double vision is dangerous in your life. It's dangerous in my life. Double vision is simply this. The ability to see two distinct images with both eyes open. And when you have double, when you have double vision, you will stumble all over your... Double vision spiritually is this. You believe that the world and you provide for you. It's an optical illusion. Three principles about this issue of clear vision. The first one is this. We are willing. Clear vision is indicated when we're willing to submit to God in worship. 
I mean, you see this in Abraham's life. Abraham went through a difficult time. He made some poor choices in life. And as a result of that, there were some consequences that, that, that happened in his life. And so Abraham decides, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the house of worship. I'm going to go worship God, and I'm going to thank him for what he's done. Genesis chapter 13, 1. So Abraham went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the Nedgeb. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Nebgav as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at, fir- at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now listen, if you read through this story, you may gloss over this. And you may think, hey, it was just a time of just kind of stopping and starting. It was just kind of time where he took a break. It was just a time where he, he, he rested. But really it was more than that. This was a time of deep reflection. A time when Abraham just worshipped God and he thanked God for sparing his life. That God had protected him and that God had forgiven him and that God had blessed him. And so as a result of that, Abraham just begins to worship him. And and the scripture tells us just from Abraham's life that there's three different ways. There's ways that we submit to God in worship. And one of those ways is we submit to God in worship with our time. I mean, it took time for Abraham to stop. It took time for Abraham to build an altar. I mean, in other words, Abraham worshiped God with his time. And he stopped and, oh, and he made it a priority of his life. Like worship for him was something that was on a calendar. It was not something that when he came to the weekend, he flipped a coin. And if he had enough time, he'd work it in. And if not, it was just okay. I mean, it was a priority to him. And you submit to God and worship with your, with your time. When you just take time out of your schedule and you just withdraw from the world because you understand that, you know what, this world is not the source of your blessings. This world is not the source of anything. Fact is, God is a source of everything. And to where I'm gonna, I'm just gonna worship Him, and I'm gonna be in God's house, and I'm gonna come into His presence, and I'm gonna worship Him. But we not only worship God with our time, we worship God with our, with our treasure. I mean, you look at Abraham's life, and though he stopped, and he, he worshiped God with his time, because it took time to build the, 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 the altar, and then all of a sudden you realize that in worship, they would take the, the animal, without spot or blemish, the perfect one, not the one that was dying, not the one that's leaning up against the fence that they won't miss. They gave not their leftovers. They gave their very best to him. I mean, in worship, they would give this animal a sacrifice. And they worshiped him with their treasure. See, double vision is this issue, is this is a belief where we believe that, you know what? We're owners. It's mine. It's not the Lord's. It is just, it is just, I wasn't blessed to be a blessing to others. It's all about me. I mean, to where we understand that we're not, we're not managers. All that we had came from him. We're just stewards. We're just owners. You know, I, I had fully intended to, um, to, to give an illustration and I was going to use a, like a $20 bill, but I realized I, I didn't have my wallet. And so, you know, does someone have like $20 bill that, that I could just use for? Oh, great. Hey, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Appreciate it. I did have my wallet. <laughs> Karen had texted me before the early service and said, I'd really like for you to take me to lunch. And uh, so, you know, between three services, 60 bucks, I can, I can add. So 
So thanks. Where were we? <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you, why did Pastor Chad jump up so quickly and, and hand me the $20? Uh, because I gave it to him before the service. And, and, it, was, and it was mine. And was it, was it any big deal for you to hand it to me? No. Why? Because it's mine. By the way, this is a 10. <laughs> I'm joking. It's a 20. And I, I know the illustration is a silly illustration. And I'm just trying to bring a little bit of humor to such a, a difficult topic because nobody likes to talk about treasure, time and treasure, time and money because it's just so emotional to you. But you know what takes all the emotion out of it? When you realize it's not yours. When you realize I am just returning back to him what he has given me. See, we not only worship him with our time, we not only worship him with our treasure, but we also worship him with our, with our tongue. It says Abraham called on the name of the Lord. That means he, he treated God's name with reverence. It means, it means he worshiped him. Now listen, Abraham may have rededicated his life. He may have made a, a, a fresh commitment to the Lord. Abraham had gone through a difficult time. Abraham had made a poor decision. He had gone down to Egypt. God didn't tell him to go down to Egypt. And as a result of that, there were some consequences in his life. Abraham also lied. He, he said that his wife was really his, his sister. And, and there were some, some, instead of being his wife. And so there were some complications with that. And so all of a sudden, worship for, for Abraham may have been that time of recommitment and rededication. It may have been a time that he remembered he's totally and completely dependent upon the Lord. See, we worship him with our treasure, with our time, and with our tongue. And can I just tell you this? This is not multiple choice. Probably when Abraham called out on the name of the Lord, it was emotional to him. Because God had forgiven him. God had given him life. So the first thing, is we have to be willing to submit to God and worship. The second thing is this. We're willing to trust God with our future. Clear vision is indicated when we, when we just trust God, when we just trust God with our, with our future. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, he says, And Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, so the, the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and Pezzarites were dwelling in the land. Then Abraham said to Lot, there will be no, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we're, we're kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. And then this is an amazing thing that Abraham did because it, it was Abraham's right to choose. Abraham was the oldest. He was the leader of the clan. He was the one that God called. And he allows, unbelievable, he allowed Lot to choose. And then, then Abraham just simply said, and, and Lot, you choose. If you take to the left, left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take to the right hand, then I will go to the left. In other words, here's what happened. was happening. Lot was causing drama and trauma in the family. I mean, there was, there was a huge conflict happening. And Lot was, 
Lot in those days, it was difficult. And so Lot and his families was just causing drama and trauma in the family and drama and trauma in the relationship. And Abraham comes to the place and he just realizes, i, I got to separate from Lot. For Abraham to go where God had called him to go, Abraham realized, you know what? i just, I got to separate. I mean, there, listen, there may be some friends of yours right now that are creating drama and trauma in your life. And you need to separate from them. For you to be able to go where God has called you to go, for you to be able to honor Him, there may be some relationships that are surrounding you that are causing some drama and causing some trauma in your life. And it may be that you're like Abraham and you just need to separate from them so that you can go where God has called you to go. See, this was the issue with Abraham. Abraham realized that, you know what, I've got to make some decisions with some relationships around me. Because there's some things going on with some relationships around me that if I'm going to honor God, I'm just going to have to separate from them. And so Abraham went to Lot and says, we just need to separate. And Abraham, even though he was the oldest, even though he was a senior, even though he was head of the clan, that he told Lot, Lot, you choose. But see, here's the deal. Abraham understood, God's the source of my blessing. God's the source? I mean, I was created to, I was blessed to be a blessing. See, Abraham, even after Lot had caused some difficulty in his life, Abraham was blessing Lot by giving Lot the, the ability to choose because he understood who he was. He understood what God had called him to do. And so you know what Lot does? Lot suffered from double vision. He believed that the world had something to offer him. He believed that blessing didn't just didn't come from God, but it came from himself. It came from the world. So Lot begins to look around, and Lot sees the fertile ground near the Jordan River by two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot begins to look at that land. He looks at that land from a worldly perspective, and he looks at the fertile land, and he looks over to the other side, and he sees this barren, parched land, desert, where nothing really grows there. But Lot had double vision. He didn't pray. He didn't ask God. He didn't do what was right. He didn't defer to Abraham. He didn't do any of that. Lot just said, I'm going to take the fertile land. I'm going to take the land near the Jordan. I mean, can you believe this? Abraham, Abraham gives up his right to choose. Listen, you can tell a lot about people, uh, how they respond when they have been blessed, how they respond when they have an opportunity, how a church responds when God has blessed them with a $4 million piece of ground that the church only had to pay $365,000 for. You can tell a lot about an individual, how they respond to blessing, how they respond to opportunities. Lot didn't say, Abraham, I'm here because of you. If it wasn't for you, I'd still be stuck. If it wasn't for you, I'd have like nothing. The only reason I'm here is because of you and you have blessed me. So Abraham, you choose. See, Lot had this double vision. Lot says, you know what? It's, it's all about me. It's, it's mine. It is mine. Even though you're the one that's blessed me, it is mine. And so Lot moves. And he moves towards Sodom and Gomorrah, two of the most wicked cities in the world. And he didn't move into the city just to... He just moved to the outskirts of the city and see Lot. Lot wasn't willing to 
trust God with his future. I've really struggled about the illustration that I'm going to tell you. I've struggled with this illustration ever since we planted Fellowship the Rockies. Karen and I have never told this story publicly. And I don't tell this story to bring any um, attention to myself because it's really hard for me to tell those stories. Uh, but I do tell this story just of the faithfulness of God. When, when, when we planted Fellowship of the Rockies and we moved from, from Houston to here, we had no financial backing. And as a result of that, uh, the four families, the four pastors and their families that came, we didn't take a salary. And so the way Karen and I survived during those days is we lived off some investments, we lived off some savings, uh, and we were just here doing ministry. And so we, we planted Fellowship of the Rockies. And so um, conviction's not the right wor word uh, because we'd already tithed off the money that was in savings and in investments. But maybe awkwardness would be the right word. And so one night, Karen and I just had a conversation. I said, you know, Karen, I... This is just awkward for me. We have people tithing to this church, and, and we're not. And rightfully so. There, we have no income. Everybody would understand that. But I just feel awkward with the sacrifice that's going on. And See, I, see, I, I just believe this. I just believe a church should be built not by the time, talent, and treasure of a few, but the time, talent, and treasure of many. I just believe that. And so Karen and I, we had this conversation, and, and together we came up, and we'd been at a church that had done this. So it was no big deal to us. We said, you know what we're going to do? Every time we take money out of savings, we're going to tithe off that. And we're just going to see what God's going to do. Can I just tell you this? We can do the math. We, we know what that equaled in percentages. You know what we learned? You can't outgive God. You absolutely cannot outgive God. And the things that God did with our investments and the things that God did with our savings, it's not that everything was perfect in our life. You know what the blessings of God are? It's, the, it's to be the receiver of the tangible and the intangible things of God. We were blessed in some ways we can't even put words to. And so we were blessed in some tangible ways and we were blessed in some intangible ways. I mean... Fact is, we were overwhelmed with the way that God had blessed us. Statistics say that so few Christians now are just willing just to trust God with their future. And the last principle is this about clear vision. Clear vision is indicated when, when we know that God rewards those who are faithful. Clear vision is, is when we know that God rewards those who are faithful. The only way I really got Gavin to share his french fries with me was say, Gavin, you share your french fries with me, you get ice cream. And he understood. He understood that, that I would reward him for just sharing his fries. Back to the story in Genesis with, with Lot. It's just so interesting to me. Lot moves down to the outskirts of Sodom and Gomorrah. All of a sudden, there's this alliance of kings that get together. And they, they rush in and they take Sodom and Gomorrah and they take the surrounding areas and, and they take Lot and his family and off they go. It's like ancient terrorists. 
And Abraham, this guy that understood that God, God was a source of everything and God is a source of blessings and he is blessed to be a blessing even though Lot had, had caused a lot of drama and trauma in his life, had, had caused some things negative, some things in the family. Abraham, you know what he does? Let's go get Lot. Lot's a family member of ours. Let's go get Lot. So Abraham gets some friends together, gets a group of men together. They go. Uh, they dominate. They, they catch those guys. They take them in captivity, and they rescue Lot. And so Abraham comes off of a victory, and again, God is blessing him. And the king of Sodom, and the word Sodom means burning. And the king of Sodom had been dominated. His city had been like decimated. It had been destroyed and it had been burned to the ground. And now here's the amazing thing. He begins to try to negotiate with Abraham. Here is the king of Sodom, one of the most interesting cities in the, in the Old Testament. And you know what he begins to do? He begins to bargain with Abraham. I mean, his, his, his land and his city had been burned to the ground. He has like nothing to negotiate with. And yet he's going to negotiate with Abraham. And then king of Salem and Melchizedek, or king of Salem, uh, king of Salem, and Melchizedek arrive on the scene. Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. Here's what the scripture says. After his return from the defeat of a really hard word, I could pronounce it if I wanted to. I just don't want to show off this morning. <laughs> and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him at the valley of Shevev. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, very interesting person, king of Salem, brought out, this is so important, bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Sodom means burning. Salem means peace. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And listen, Genesis chapter 14 ties to a New Testament chapter, Hebrews chapter 7. Most theologians believe that Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. He was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Because the Bible tells us Melchizedek has no mother, no father, no origin. And so most theologians believe that this was a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ that appears. And then all of a sudden you see bread and wine. That was a foreshadowing of communion. That was a foreshadowing of a church service. And so the bread and wine were the picture of communion. See, see, Galatians tells us this. Galatians tells us that Abraham is our spiritual father. And what was Abraham's response to Melchizedek, a type of Christ, a pre-incarnate Christ? He gave him the tithe, the first 10%. He, uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse 9. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth earth. Abraham knew, guess what? God possesses it all. I am not an owner. It is not mine that he possesses I am it all. I am only a steward. I am only a manager. Verse 20, and blessed, blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. This is the very first time that tithing is mentioned the word tithe tithing is mentioned in the scriptures it's 400 years before the law 
400 years. The fact is, I can take you all the way back to the book of Genesis. And I can show you this picture is in Genesis 2,500 years before the law. And so this Melchizedek is either a type of Christ or it's a pre-incarnate Christ. And our spiritual father, what Galatians says, gave 10%. Because he understood, I am blessed to be a blessing. God is a source of everything. It is not mine. I am just a manager. And here's the crazy deal. The king of Sodom, who has nothing to give, who has nothing to bring to the table, who is, has no skin in the game, begins to negotiate with Abraham. He begins to try to negotiate with him. And it, it just reminds me of the thief that says, I come to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil owns nothing. Yet what does he do? He tries to bargain. He tries to negotiate, but it's empty, it's hollow, it's double vision. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like taking your, ki your grandkids or your kids to Chuck E. Cheese, and you think you're going to walk out with a big stuffed toy on the top rack. And you know what you walk out with? If you're like us, a paper bookmark. Really? Really? I mean, it's like going to Chuck E. Cheese, and it doesn't matter how hard you work, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. It doesn't matter how many tickets you get. You walk up to that counter and you shove those tickets across and your grandkids are thinking they're walking home with that stuffed toy. It's an optical illusion. They have nothing to give. That's the world. And you're going to walk out. doesn't matter what you do. You're going to walk out with a paper bookmark and then buy the kids a toy on the way home. Genesis chapter 15 verse 21 as we just carry the story out. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. So he's, he's negotiating. He's bargaining with God. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. That's Elohim. That's another word for God that just means this, that God is the possessor of all. He owns everything. That I would, and then watch this, verse 23 that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Because you just got to understand, God is the possessor of everything. God is the one that blesses, not you. I mean, he's the one to bless or that does bless. He is all sufficient. I'm totally and completely what Abraham said. I'm totally and completely insufficient. I mean, who am I? What Abraham, who, who am I to bargain with God? Who am I to negotiate with God? But we do that all the time with the tithe, right? You know, God, when I get rich, when I get rich, I'll start to tithe. Really? God's word says just be faithful with what you have. God, when, when, I, when I win the lottery, when I hit that lottery, I'll give a lot. People bargain with God all the time. They say, you know this tithing thing? That's Old Testament. I'm not under that. I'm not under the law. Listen, let me just tell you this. Old Testament was 2,500 years before the law. It was a part of the law. And it's Hebrews chapter 7, Matthew 23, 23. I can go through the New Testament. It's after the law. This was 400 years before the law. And every time we have Jesus talking about the Old Testament and principles... He always raises the bar, not lowers it. Listen, can I just tell you this? When someone uses that argument and says, you know, Pastor, I, I, just, I just believe that Old Testament, that's Old te the, the, the tithing is Old Testament. You know what I always wonder? What is the heart behind that? 
Is it to give more? Is it to give less? The one who gave his very best for us. Every blessing comes from him. For Abraham, this tithe was a perspective thing. Man, you're either bargaining. It's either a bargaining thing or a blessing thing. Listen, I, I just close with, I close with this illustration. And let me just encourage you one more time about these vision desserts. These vision desserts are so important. These testimonies that are coming out of these vision desserts are wiping me out. We're sitting at one of the vision desserts and a, and a, a lady from our church uh, said, I'd like to share my story. And, and, and she says, uh, when I came to the church, my daughter was in high school and I was going through a, a really messy divorce. And it was, it, was, it was a lot of money, a lot of attorneys involved. I didn't know financially what it looked like for me. And, 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 and it was just a hard time. And so my daughter was dating a guy that goes to Fellowship the Rockies, and she was in high school. So she came to me and says, Mom, could you, could you give me a ride to church tomorrow? And she said, so I can sit with my boyfriend and, and his mom. And so she said, sure. You know what? I think I'll go and just sit with you. She said, what could it hurt? And so she came, she sat, and she said, Charlie, you know what you were preaching on that weekend? Tithing. Not exactly something that someone wants to hear when they first come to church, but you're preaching on tithing. And so, but I'm listening. And so, so when I heard the tithe, the 10%, I turned to my, my boyfriend's mother and I said, okay, is that, is that off the gross or the net? And she said, the gross. And she goes, okay, is that the bigger number or the smaller number? She said, it's the bigger number. She goes, hmm, wow. And she said, I'd never heard any of that before. In fact, this is the first time I've been in your church. And so she said, I went home. My daughter was out with her boyfriend. It's just me. And she said, you know what? I sat there in my kitchen. I realized I need Christ in my life. And she said, I asked Jesus to come into my life. And the very next thing I did, she said, I didn't even know how I was going to do it. I didn't even know how God was going to do it. I wrote out 10 tithe checks. Because I wanted God to know I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to honor him with my life. And I'm going to trust him with my life. And she said, now look at me. I got a godly husband. I got the marriage that I've dreamed of. Things in my life begin just to line up. When I put the first things in order, everything else fell into order in my life. I'm a living testimony of that. And things begin to change in my life when I saw God, the source of my blessings and the source of all. I got a godly husband. I got a godly family. We serve in ministry together. We pray together. We do ministry together. I have a husband that loves me and honors me. Not that we're perfect, but, but my life has changed when I was just willing to put the first things in place. And when I did that, God allowed everything else to line up in my life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me just ask you this morning. What is God saying to you as a result of this message? More importantly, how does he want you to respond? What is your next step? Because every one of us has a next step. How does he want you to respond? Maybe you're... Maybe your response is just to accept him and ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. Maybe that's your response. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I'm a believer. But I haven't really trusted God with my finances. I really haven't trusted God with my 
future. I really haven't seen God as a source of all. I've suffered from double vision. I think it came from me, it comes from the world, but I realize that's an optical illusion. What is your next step? What is God saying to you of how you should respond? Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I, I just need prayer. I, I just need someone to pray for me. Well, you're in a great place. We want to pray for you. If you have any kind of a prayer request, if you're carrying a burden, we want to minister to you. We just want to pray for you. So all I'm asking you to do is after we pray, we stand in just a few moments. As you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front? fact is, there's something for all of us to do, whether you're responding to God in prayer by coming to the front, or you're just standing and praying for those who are coming and encouraging them by you just praying for them. There's something for every one of us to do. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, after I pray and we stand, would you just step out, begin making your way down? We would love to add our faith to your faith. We'd love to encourage you, to support you as we pray for you. So you come when we stand if you need prayer. Father, we love you. We praise you. Father, we thank you that all blessing comes from you. Father, may we recognize that you're the source of everything in our life. May we have clear vision. We're able just to stand on your promises in Scripture and just see what you're going to do. Father, we thank you for the testimonies in this room. And we ask that you'd pull this church very closely to you and people respond to you in prayer. And Father, we just ask people to find encouragement, people to find support. But Father, we ask for prayers to be answered and people to know they've been ministered to this day. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.